Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case File 11 Human Soup and the Widow's Web Hello! Hello! Alright, so here we are. Case File 11. So we both were trying to look for a story, and we both were interested in certain stories, but they were a little short. (laughs) So we couldn't do a whole episode on each story, so each of us have our own story to present that the other has not heard of yet. Yeah. So it's a double episode. You get two for the price of one. (laughs) Two. So the first story comes to us in Tyler, Texas, which is 110 miles east of Dallas. Have you ever been to Tyler? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think we've ever been there. I don't... If I have been there, I don't remember. Well, the day of incident is January the 5th, 2008. So we're not in the summer anymore. We're actually in January. Good job. This New Year's resolution was not very good, though. Nope. Sounds terrible. So our victim is Jana Scherer. Okay. I think that's it. Scherer. Mm -hmm. She was 21 at the time of her death. As she was born March 26, 1986 in Austin to Thomas and Stephanie Scherer. She graduated from John Tyler High School and was a senior lieutenant brigadette for the 2003-2004 school year. Is that like a drill team person? I think so. Yeah, okay. And she was described as being very happy, very funny. She loved life up until she met her boyfriend, which a lot of friends described her as being lonely and feeling alone, even though she was in a relationship. And one of her biggest fears was being alone. Mm. She didn't like being alone, especially in the dark or just by herself in general. She didn't like it. Newspaper headlines first hit on January the 7th that on Friday night, the Headlines read, man killed girlfriend, then filleted and cooked parts of her body before calling police to tell them what he was doing. Wow. Filleted. Like, I don't even know really how to fillet a fish or fillet a chicken. Like, how do you fillet a human? And is that with a side of Chianti and fava beans? You know it. (laughs) So... Her boyfriend's name was Christopher Lee McQuinn. He's 25. He called 911 uh, early Saturday morning and told the emergency responder that he killed his girlfriend, Jana Cher, and was boiling her body parts at his mother's house. Okay. Well, I at least how, he was honest. I mean, but... yeah. I just don't know. Like, how do you respond to that? I mean, I have to give it to some of the ER dispatchers. Like, I don't know how, how they do it, but... It would be a really entertaining job. I'm sure it'd be very sad too, but I can't imagine what your reaction like is. I would like to hear that 911 call and see yeah, how she reacted. Yeah, I tried reacted. to find it and I couldn't find it. Um, when authorities arrived, they found Cher's mutilated body that appeared that she had died from blunt force trauma to the head. As they entered the kitchen, they found one ear boiling in a pot of water on the stove and a fork sticking out of a human flesh sitting on a plate on the kitchen table. So they weren't sure at this time if he had actually consumed her body parts if maybe maybe he thought he could. I mean, the, the way that it, they described it, to me, it sounds like he was like, oh, this is going to be simple. I'm just going to cut her up into some chunks and eat her like some chicken. And I think he probably started and was like, wow, this Doesn't is way more like than chicken. I... 
thought this was going to be. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And I think it was too much. So Sheriff J.B. Smith stated, you know, we can't prove that he that he did or he was going to or he had been. But he did lead us to believe that he was going to eat her body. So apparently that Friday night, Christopher had picked up Jana from mm-hmm. her house Friday night. But there was some controversy on whether or not she left against her will because she left her purse, her shoes, and her cell phone behind. But her mother saw her willingly get into the vehicle with him. So maybe she was under the impression they were just going to run down to, to down the street and come right back. That's the only situation I can think of where I wouldn't really worry about my shoes or my purse or my phone. Agreed. I'll just yeah. be right back, right? Yep. So she gets in the truck with him. Her mother sees that happen, but notices that her cell phone is there, her purse is there, and she didn't take her shoes with her. So they feel like maybe she either left against her will or, like you said, just thought the wrong pretense of what the plans were going to be. They believe that he drove somewhere and that's where the murder happened. They're not sure where. And then he drove to his mother's house. And when he got to his mom's house, she was already dead. Because then whenever he gets to his mom's house, he proceeds to go inside and tell his mom and his mom's boyfriend, hey, I want you guys to see what I did. And so they walk outside and he opens the back of his truck and there lay his girlfriend dead. Mm. So they haul ass away from <laughs> of there. Of course. And they happen to flag down a policeman while he goes inside and starts preparing her body in whatever way he does and calls 911. So at the time they're finally finding a policeman, he's calling 911. So it's kind of simultaneously happening at the same time. So Sheriff Lieutenant Larry Wigington said he didn't just kill her and that was it. He said the murder went on for a while and it was pretty brutal and there was evidence of some really weird stuff. Mm. Now, I'm not sure what they mean when they say really weird stuff because... Are they talking about the cannibalism or something else? I don't know because I only read that she died of blood force trauma to the head. And then, I mean, it's weird enough that he cut her up and was going to try and eat her. Mm -hmm. But I didn't read anything else about any weird stuff unless it's just, the like you said, the cannibalism. So her death and mutilation was just the beginning of a crime spree that he did that night. He then went to his estranged wife's house and stabbed her boyfriend. Okay. Who ended up in critical condition in the hospital. I didn't read if he survived or not. But he went over there and got into it with her and stabbed stabbed the boyfriend. So after he stabbed his estranged wife's boyfriend, he then broke into Tyler Custom open, Openings. I'm not sure what kind of business that was. But he broke into their... Maybe notch. windows or something? Maybe. They did not find anything that could have possibly been taken. They felt that nothing seemed out of place. So the stabbing of the boyfriend and the breaking into the place was right before he got to his mom's house. So they believe that Jana was already killed before then. She was just kind of riding around dead in his truck. Mm. He had a history of DWI and aggravated assault. He had apparently assaulted his sister, his mom, and then his estranged wife and, and Jana a few times. So he was a real winner. Yeah, sounds like it. The stabbing victim, William Beasley, he was the his estranged wife's boyfriend, stayed in critical condition at the hospital. And then, of course, as soon as they arrive and see what's going on, he's arrested. And on the way to the police station, he kicks out the patrol car's back window. Mm-hmm. He's pissed, even though he did it to himself. And he's charged with capital murder, and he was held at Smith County Jail on a $2 million bond. And as of Sunday, so he'd been in jail for a day, nobody wanted to take his case. He had <laughs> they no were attorney, like, which, yeah, no. As a court-appointed attorney, I don't know how you can say, no, I don't want that case. But he had no lawyer. I mean, I guess the only uh, avenue you have is mental. Maybe he had to have some kind of mental problem. That's the only thing I could think of. So he didn't have an attorney for 10 days. So on January the 8th... Better call Saul. (laughs) (laughs) On January the 8th, Judge Jack Skeen 
sealed the arrest and search warrant affidavits and issued a gag order in the case. And he, you know, had the history of assaulting his wife, girlfriend, and his sister. He tells investigators in an interview to try and find out what his motive was and, you know, did he snap? Did she tell him something that made mm-hmm. him upset? And he said, no, God made me do it. Oh, okay, because that's what God does. God told me that she needed to be rid of the earth so i rid her of the earth okay not sure how eating her was gonna help following god's work and the investigator one of the investigators was so mad at what he said that he leaned in and he said boy what did you say (laughs) because he was just appalled like you're gonna really blame god for this and again you know if he really did think if he had voices in his head then he needs help unfortunately there was no justice for Jana because in december which was almost a year after everything happened before trial and everything he is found dead in his cell what yep an autopsy was ordered and in january it was released that he overdosed from his antidepressant medication that a jail psychologist had prescribed him they feel that he was pretending to take he them was hoarding them for months because he had been there for almost a year and there was no trial set yet well there may have been a trial set but i didn't see it i mean i don't really know what kind of trial he's i don't know if he played not guilty i don't know if he had a plea deal but um he took a lot of antidepressants and he didn't wake up. He just went to sleep and then didn't wake up. Yeah. Wow. So unfortunately, there was no justice for Jana, Jana. which is really sad. But how about that boiling her ear? Like, I, I just, out of all things, the ear, you know? Or any of it at all. And just so you just snap and you go on this rampage and you kill your I, girlfriend I think, and you... I think he snapped. I think she... Maybe she tried to break up with him or something. Obviously, he had a bad temper, which would lead mm-hmm. him to having the assault with his sister and his mom and mm-hmm. his estranged wife. Obviously, that marriage didn't work because he assaulted her and now he's got this girlfriend. One thing that I did read that kind of irked me a little bit was he was African-American and she was Caucasian. And there was one article that I read and they were saying how, you know, another African-American takes a Caucasian woman's life. No way. And I was thinking it doesn't really matter the race. What matters is that one person took another person's life mm-hmm. unnecessarily and then mutilated her body. Doesn't really matter. But one funny thing, in April of 2008, there's a column in the Tyler newspaper and they have a section called News That Sounds Like a Joke. And his name was in it because it said, um, People for Ethical Treatments of Animals sent the sheriff a fax demanding that he, Christopher, only receives a vegetarian diet. Do you know why? Because he tried to be a cannibal they were suggesting he needs a vegetarian diet because he's had too much meat eating he's already had too much meat eating in his life and he needs to stick to vegetarian lifestyle that doesn't even make any sense i guess we're trying to say that he ate too much meat meaning he ate too much and that's what made him go crazy no these people for ethical treatments for animals PETA. Mm -hmm. that's PETA. okay they sent a a letter stating that he only needs a vegetarian diet because he's eaten enough you know what I, i know why i bet you it's because we're appalled at the thought of him eating another person as PETA is appalled by the fact that we want to eat cows. Uh, Bam. There you go. Mic drop. Bam. Makes sense. So yeah, they sent this stupid letter. Yep. Pretty crazy. Get over it, PETA. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, I want animals to be treated right, but I'm damn sure going to eat me some cow and some chicken and some fish. Amen. Too bad. Tell me. Too bad. So sad. Let's go to Roadhouse. I'm like, let's Let's go. go have a steak. Oh, yeah. Good old steak. Nothing like a good old steak. So that's the case of Jana Share. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Jana. I'm sorry. That's so sad. Sorry your boyfriend was a cannibal. 
crazy. Well, we don't really know if he's a cannibal because there, there's no proof. Like you said well, that there's no he, proof that he ate it. But with, he had the intent or he tried. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if he if watched Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I don't know. Why do you think he did it? Why do I think, do think? I don't know. I think maybe he snapped. Clearly, he already had a bad temper. Maybe she tried to break up with him. I mean, how did her friends feel about him? Did her friends Everything, like him? I didn't read whether they did or not. The only thing I read was that towards the end of her life that she, her friends said that they had, she had kind of lost a little bit of her happiness and that she did feel very alone in a world full of people. So he did, I guess, make her feel sequestered a little bit. Yeah. And didn't make her feel like. Maybe she felt trapped. Yeah. And I mean, maybe she did just jump in the truck to go do something and she said the wrong thing and he, he just popped her in the head and was like, oh great, I killed her. And maybe he broke into this. How do you make that transition where you kill somebody, even if it's an accident and you're like, oh, you know, maybe I should try eating her ear. I mean, that sounds good. Or just chunk of meat. I don't, I don't get that. But I don't either. And I don't. So I don't know. Maybe he went back to his mom's and he's like, I'm going to show my mom. And maybe she'll have a solution. Okay, she doesn't have a solution. She just ran away. She's probably going to get the cops. I have to get rid of this body as fast as possible. So I'm going to eat it. It's not a bag of weed or something. That's true, but he's also obviously dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You were so dumb for real. Seriously. So that's my case. All right. So my case is about a salty old woman named Betty Lou Beats. And this suggestion came to me from a really good friend named Karna. She is one of my true crime podcast buddies. She and I went and saw My Favorite Murder when they were in Dallas a couple of years ago. And she's kind of how you got on the podcast, which is kind of how I got on podcast, right? Uh, no, she's not the re- she wasn't the first person to suggest podcast to me. That was actually Chris. Shout out to Chris and Karna. One of my other friends started us on it and we all just kind of went, went from there. So they're really avid listeners. So thanks guys. So anyway, this is a salty old Texas broad. She is also nicknamed the Texas Black Widow. Mm. You want to know why? Why? Let me just tell you why. She likes spiders? No, it has nothing to do with spiders this time. No? Nope. So her name, she was born Betty Lou Donovan. She was born in Roxborough, North Carolina in March of 1937. Her parents were really poor tobacco farmers and her mom suffered from mental problems and her dad was a really bad alcoholic. Betty was hearing impaired from a childhood bout with measles and this also affected her speech. But she never received any kind of hearing aids or special training on how to deal with her disability. So maybe that's why she was so salty. Like she couldn't really talk that great. She couldn't hear. She didn't know sign language. So she was just trying to figure it out. She hated the world. Trying to figure it out. She probably got made fun of her whole life. I'm sure she did. She claims that at the age of five, she was sexually abused by her father and several other people close to her. And at the age of 12, her mother was institutionalized, leaving her to take care of her younger siblings. There were four children in her family. She had an older brother. Then it was her. She had a younger brother and a younger sister. Throughout her life, she had many jobs, but primarily cashier, waitress, and let's just go ahead and throw it out there. She was a topless dancer, yo. What? Go Betty. Go Betty. At least if somebody said something bad about her, she couldn't hear it. Oh my gosh. Did you just say that? I'm just saying. Can you imagine having the guts to get up topless? I think you, you can see pictures of her. She was petite. She had the Texas bleach blonde hair. She was rocking it. I wonder if she was really, really good friends with Priscilla. Mm, maybe. Priscilla Davis. No, uh, maybe they had the same circle. So this all happened in the Henderson County and Gun Barrel City. Going back to the beginning, I left that out. 
Let me tell you, if I were to say, guess how many times Betty's been married, what would be your first guess? Three. No. Five? Six. Well, five, one guy twice. So let's Dang. let's run through the men here. It's really hard to keep these straight. In fact, a couple of times I had to like go back and reread what I was typing because I started getting the husbands confused. So her first marriage was to Robert Franklin Branson. She was only 15. They married in 1952. After their first year of marriage, she claimed their relationship was abusive and they separated. But then she tried to commit suicide in 1953, so they reconnected. Finally, he left her, ending the relationship for good in 1969. She had six children, and all of them were from this first husband. So he didn't really pay her child support very often. So here she is, a really young mother with six children, hearing impaired, can't speak too well. She left school seventh or eighth grade, so she doesn't even have a high school diploma. And she's done nothing. She went from living at home to being married. So She's just kind of out in the world. Wow. She met another man in 1970, Billy York Lane, because she did not like being single whatsoever, right? And once again, she found herself in a, an abusive relationship. And in, during one argument, he broke her nose. And in true Texas salty bitch style, she retaliated by shooting him in the side of the stomach. She was charged with attempted murder, but those charges were dropped because Billy admitted that he threatened her life first. <laughs> well... Fair That's game. what you get, right? You hit me, I'll hit you back. Ten times worse, right? So during the trial of being charged for his attempted murder, I guess that rekindled something in their relationship. So they got remarried in 1972, but that it only lasted a month. Oh my gosh. So that's the guy she married twice. <laughs> okay. And so now we're on number four, right? So we got Branson, Lane, Lane again, and now we're at a guy named Ronnie... Threlkold, Threlkold. You tell me. T H R E L K O L D. Threlkold. I think the L Threlkold. might be silent. It'd be Threlkold. Threlkold. We're just gonna call him Ronnie. Okay. All right. Sounds good to me. So she started dating him in 1973, and they got married in 1978. This marriage ended one year later, after she tried to run over him with her car. <laughs> the same year. What did What did he do? She thought he was run. cheating. She thought he was cheating on her big time, big time, We can't time, say time. anything. What did our grandmother do? She did the same thing. She tried to run over our dad. You talking about Nanny? Yeah. She tried to run over but dad. But didn't Nanny do something to Papa? Oh, she hit him over the head with a big cast iron skillet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we salty, can't blame, salty, salty, Can't blame these Texas women. That's right, man. We're trying to protect our own. So she tried to run him over with a car. The same year, she served 30 days in the county jail for public lewdness. She was arrested at Charlie's Angels Bar, a Dallas topless bar, where she worked, but she wasn't working that night. When they asked her, you know, what were you doing? She said, I was auditioning that night, but she didn't specify what type of auditioning she was doing because she already had a job there. And she said, well, it's a topless place, but I wasn't topless. That's a whole bunch of answers that don't make any sense. But isn't it great? I mean, you can't make this shit up. I was auditioning for something that I already have. Right. And, and I wasn't I'm topless. supposed to be topless, but I wasn't topless. So who knows what, there, what the rest of that really story is. <laughs> so now we're down to husband number five. And his name is Doyle Wayne Baker. They got married in 1979. But when she actually divorced him is uncertain. And again, that was another marriage that was really short-lived. So now we're down to the last husband. His name is Jimmy Don Beats, which is why they call her Betty Lou Beats, obviously. He was a retired Dallas fireman. She met him in a bar where she worked. He came in and he liked her and she liked him. And they started dating and they got married really quick. Because at this point, she's like, I haven't had 
a man in a couple of years, however long it was since she divorced Doyle Wayne Baker. So she had her claws in him. I mean, you can tell by looking at her as an older lady that she was probably very, very pretty. She is salty, ma'am. You look at her mugshot, she's like pissed off. Salty grin. She's definitely our salty one of this story. That's for sure. Fast forward to August of 1983. Betty reports her husband Jimmy Don missing from their home near Cedar Creek Lake in Henderson County. Authorities go and conduct a search to try to find his body after reports that he drowned in a boating accident. Heart pills were found in his boat on the lake, but his eyeglasses were also in the boat, which for some reason aroused their suspicion. I mean, this guy was a retired firefighter, so he wasn't careless. He would have gone out mm-hmm. in a boat if he thought it was a dangerous situation. The boat washed ashore on a marina. So everybody just assumed, okay, he fell overboard and he drowned, but this wasn't a super big lake and it's man-made. So the police spent like three weeks dragging the lake looking for his body and never found it. So then they mm. became even more suspicious, right? Maybe the boat was planted. Maybe. You might be onto something there. So a chaplain from the Dallas Fire Department went to visit Betty during this difficult time. Mm -hmm. And he was taken aback when she immediately began asking if her husband had life insurance and how much she could get and how quickly she could get it. Dang, even if you are responsible, cool your jets. They hadn't even found his body yet. And if you don't find a body, they don't just pronounce you dead. You have to wait. Like the insurance isn't going to pay if you can't figure out what happened to them. Exactly. Like, it'd be different if they said, okay, obviously he was in a boating accident. We found his thumb, you know, or like, or we could tell there was his clothing or, or if you're in a plane crash and we may not find your body, but we know you were on the plane. But if you really drowned, if you drown in the water, I mean, it's called Cedar Creek Lake. It's probably not that big. It's Mm -hmm, mm man-made. Your body's going to turn up somewhere. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so poor Betty. So then we fast forward to June of 1985. So two years go by. They don't find him. Right. Nobody wow. knows where he's at. Two years. Two years. Suddenly, Betty Lou Beats is charged with the death of two husbands. Wait, who is the last person to see her husband? Her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now she's being charged Some with bitch. two. Yeah. Not just Jimmy Don, who was her last one. Two of them. She was married six times. So we got to figure out which other husband they oh, said she killed. Jesus. Even though she tells the judge she didn't kill them and has no idea how their bodies ended up buried in her yard. I'm sorry. Buried in her yard. Yeah. So the bodies of Jimmy Don Beats, which was her last husband, Mm -hmm. and Doyle Wayne Baker, who was the husband before that, who she was married to for a short time, and then nobody really knew when she divorced him, this is why. They were found in her front yard, her mobile home near Gun Barrel City. Her front yard? Her front yard. One of her daughters, Shirley, was also charged in connection with Doyle's death. Jimmy Don's body was discovered a week prior in the front yard. Doyle's body was found buried beneath a storage shed in the backyard. So she's quoted as saying, I did not kill anyone. I haven't shot these people. I have no idea what was in the insurance policies. I've heard nothing on this. Jimmy Don took care of everything. So they're trying to say that she killed them to get insurance money. And that's why she's like, I don't know what she's talking about. I, I don't know insurance. I'm, I'm dumb. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. So Just a dumb, blonde, topless girl. Yeah. So she's indicted for murder and capital murder of her two husbands. Her daughter's also indicted because her mom says she helped. And she's charged when the officials begin to investigate the allegations that insurance payoffs were involved in the death. So now she goes on trial. So this is much, where all the juice comes out. How much were the insurance policies? 86 grand. This is back in the 80s, but $86,000, I don't know what that is today. Oh, that's still a lot of money. That's is that just for one or for both of them? For one of them. 
I don't know about the other. Like, I don't know if the first husband that she killed, I don't know if that one was for money as much as the second one was. So, because the second Dunn, one was a retired firefighter. So, not only did he have insurance, he had a pension. Oh, okay. Now, I guess because he had been missing for two years, they just assumed he was dead and they paid out the life insurance policy. That's some bull. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, people can go missing if they want to go missing. And if there's no and maybe that's that why they happened. that's why they didn't. I mean, the people that he worked with were very suspicious because he wasn't careless. He lived in that area all his life. I mean, he just was a careful person. But he was really, really in love with Betty and gave her everything she wanted. Like whatever Betty wants, Betty gets. Clearly not everything. It's time for the trial. Seven woman, five man jury. Prosecutors are alleging that Jimmy Don was killed by his wife so she could collect on his insurance and retirement benefits. She's also charged with murder of the 1981 shooting death of Doyle. A trial on that case is still pending. So at this point, even though he's been dead for four or five years, she hasn't gone to trial for that at all because they're just now figuring out that she killed him, right? Oh my gosh. So her son testified that he helped her drag a sleeping bag with a body in it out of her house and bury it next to an ornamental wishing well. When she was married to Jimmy Don, she kept telling him, I want a wishing well. I want a wishing well. He digs a giant hole and puts this fake wishing well on there for her. Little does he know that later on she's going to throw his damn body in it. Damn. And cover it with dirt and put little flowers in there so people aren't suspicious that he's buried under it. I think that was her whole idea initially for asking for a wishing well? Yeah, absolutely. Are you saying that he dug his own grave? Uh, That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, snap. Very snap. Told her she's salty. He said, I was shocked that she said she was going to do what she was going to do. I didn't know for sure if she would actually kill him, but I suspected that she would. He said he returned to the house a few hours later. When he got back, she told me she wanted me to help her drag the body outside. I walked back to the back door and there was a zipped sleeping bag with a body in it. The two of us took the body out to the back door. I put it in the wishing well. When they asked him why he never said anything to the police, he said, because I was protecting my mother. I love mom, but if she killed someone for no reason... I would not be able to help her cover that up. Well, what if you thought there was a reason? Like, well, what if what if she told you that this man was abusing her? Uh, well, then, yeah. Okay. So, it's, it's hard to say, right? Yeah. I sure wouldn't let her bury him in the front yard. Well, I mean, if mom came to me and said there was a man beating her, I would go to him myself. She yeah. wouldn't need to do anything. Yeah. I would go take care but of it. But if she came to me with a <laughs> sleeping bag with a corpse in it because... <laughs> he hit her too many times and she was done and it's past the point of calling the police because she's done something real bad. We're just going to get a couple tubs of some acid and we're just going to get rid of all, all of it. We plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mom was married? I didn't even know. <laughs> what guy? What husband? What do you mean? I don't know. So he said his mother shot Jimmy Don so she could collect on his monthly pension, which was $760 a month and his $86,000 life insurance policy. Two of her daughters also testified. Her old oldest daughter, Faye, told the jury she had never heard her sister, Shirley, or her brother, Robbie, talk about helping bury Jimmy Don, never heard her mother talk about planning on killing him. But her other daughter, Shirley, that helped her, testified as a prosecution witness. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. That her mother told her she planned to kill Jimmy Don a couple of days before he was reported missing. The charge against Shirley was dropped and she was released on a $100,000 bond. I'm guessing that was because she testified against her mother. They probably mm-hmm. dropped the charges. Probably. She said, nope, it wasn't me. It was my they mom. They probably told her, we don't really care about you. We want your mom. Exactly. So she said that her mother called her at midnight on August the 5th saying she needed to talk. 
She said, when my mother first told me she was going to kill Jimmy Don, I told her I didn't want to discuss it and I didn't want anything to do with it. I told her, if you're unhappy, divorce him. Just divorce him. You don't have to kill him. Just divorce him. And she said, well, if I divorce him, he's going to take the trailer and winter's coming and I don't want to be cold without a place to live. You have six children. Yeah, but th- yeah. Yeah. She told jurors her mother asked her to come over, but when she arrived, her mother told her everything had been taken care of and she could go home. Because at that point, her son had already helped her use the wishing well. Launch him in the well. Mm -hmm. A week later, a judge overrules a motion for a mistrial and testimony continues. The mistrial was requested by the defense attorney... E. Ray Andrews, her attorney, I'm claiming that her son and daughter that were testifying against her were discussing testimony outside the courtroom. Shirley said in a hearing outside the jury that she and Branson discussed newspaper reports on the trial. Evidently, at this time when she was on trial, she had a boyfriend named Ray Bone. (laughs) Makes me think of the guy on Get Shorty, Ray Bones. (laughs) Her boyfriend told the jury that he believed Betty was innocent. He said, quote, The only basis I have is that I lived with her and how she treated me. She always treated me decent. Later, he testified that Betty never wanted anybody to mow the yard, and he thought that was strange. He said he only mowed the yard once and that he did not know her former husbands were buried there. Well, of course she's nice to she's you not now. Gonna tell, and she's not going to tell you that she buried two of her husbands in her yard because then you're going to be gone. Or, or that she plans to kill you and put you there too. Right. Uh, no, I don't think he could offer anything because I think he'd been in jail himself, so he was a convict. He could have gone behind his back and got a life insurance policy. That's true. Closing arguments were prosecutors told jurors that Betty was also charged in the death of another husband and had turned Henderson County into a killing ground. Defense told jurors that Robbie killed Jimmy Don. The defense said I wouldn't. it wouldn't bother Robbie a bit to see his mother locked up in prison or laid out on a table with a needle in her arm. So Betty basically claimed that her son killed Jimmy Don during an argument, but she couldn't explain to jurors the death of her other former husband. The one that was shot? Yeah. How twisted is that? Like, to me, everything that I've read here about her is disturbing. But to me, the most disturbing part is that you call your children and ask them to help you, and then you turn on them. I mean, they turn on her too. But you go back and tell your attorney that your son did it? I, I just think that's jacked up that is jacked up i I, you take the rap for your kids that's what you do well you do because you're a sensible mother (laughs) i would but you're not because i love my kids more than myself but she apparently does not she decided she loves herself she said you turn on me i'm gonna turn on you right so she's convicted of capital murder and jimmy don has a son named james so clearly none of his kids are hers because she had all her kids with the first guy right Mm -hmm. So his son is very happy with the verdict. He said, now I know my father can rest in peace. So Betty begins to cry outside the courtroom when they hear the verdict. And one of her daughters burst into tears. The two of her children that testified against her were not present for the verdict, which I thought was awesome. Mm -hmm. Also, Betty had to be hospitalized for shock overnight after they read the verdict. Uh, But she was back in her jail cell on Saturday. So what do they do for you in the hospital for shock? I don't know. Do they give you medicine? You tell me. You're the nurse. I don't know. I guess. I mean, I guess they may give her like something for anxiety. Maybe Xanax or something. This was in the 80s. So probably a Valium or something. Probably a Valium, I bet. She was like, whoo, I'm going to go get some drugs. I'm going to Yeah, I'm going to go get high one more time before I don't have a reason to. Yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. That that could be it. Let's see who I can kill in the hospital (laughs) while I'm there. Maybe I can find another, maybe I can find me a hot doctor while I'm in there. You got lots of money and a big old life insurance policy. He's got a policy. big pension. <laughs> <laughs> the trial lasted for five days 
and drew more than 100 spectators every single day and brought a lot of publicity that some of the residents didn't really like. They were like, yeah, we don't, we don't really like that. What do you think the penalty phase gave her? Life in jail. Betty gets the death penalty. <sighs> yeah. Thoed. And oddly enough, even though she had to be hospitalized after the verdict, she showed no emotion when they read it. I still value him the night Probably. she was in the hospital. Her attorney said, Mrs. Beats has been prepared for the death sentence. I feel bad about it. I never had a client sentenced to die before. I hope and pray I did all I could. Now you hope and pray? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little late now to hope and pray. Right. Should have been hoping and praying the whole time you were defending her. Her oldest daughter, Faye, who was really the only one that really talks pause in a positive way, said, I know my mother didn't do it. She never laid a finger on me when I was growing up. And I know down in my heart she is innocent. You can just, hear the Texas in just that. Just because she didn't beat her as a child doesn't mean she didn't kill someone for exactly. money. Exactly. I mean, I know a lot of people say like, oh, I just can't imagine that they would do that. They were always so nice to me. But these people, they don't walk around mean. You know, they don't, like, I know there was a lot of controversy on that new movie coming out, the Ted Bundy, because Zac Efron plays him. Mm -hmm. And people were like, that's so awful that they're choosing Zac Efron to portray Ted Bundy. And I'm like, no, that's a good thing because Ted Bundy was a handsome guy. That's how he was able to do what he was able to do. Why would they get an ugly person to play him or make Zac Efron look not Less all attractive. people that are monsters on the inside look like a monster no, on the outside. No, that's how they're able to get away with more because they look like an average person. Mm-hmm. There's nothing daunting about them when they first look at them. Otherwise, you, you would never go anywhere no. near anybody like that. You'd be like, screw that. Yeah. And she, I mean, look at Betty Lou. She was beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's how she had She never five had husbands. trouble finding men. Never. Must have been her balcony. It must have been her balcony. And, you know, big pensions. <laughs> In November of 85, her son is indicted for murder after he testified that, you know, he helped his mom hide the body. He said he followed his mom's instructions. So he took Jimmy Don's boat down to Cedar Creek Lake the next day after they buried his body, set it adrift, and took the propeller off so that it would just float. That was all staged. I mean, I'm just saying. They're so dumb. <laughs> if they had, Are you going to tell them how they could have got away with it? Look, I'm listening. Just, they could have just put some blood. I mean, obviously they killed him, right? They could have taken some of his blood, left the propeller on it, but not turned it on, put some blood on the propeller some blood inside maybe put some hair in the propeller and then set it adrift so when they found it it looked like maybe he got in a boat accident makes a lot more sense and then i wonder why they left the heart pills in there that really didn't make sense yeah, to like, me did they think that he so was that like, they could i want to take all my heart pills and jump off this no side. maybe they left that because it had a prescription with his name and they would know that it was his boat oh, like i don't i don't know but you know most boats have it has to be registered and it's mm-hmm. got tags on there so they would have known who the boat belonged to anyway mm-hmm. but i don't know did she file a missing persons report she did call remember she oh, called right. that she he did. was missing but she only did that because people were starting to get suspicious not because she could have waited a couple of days and been like, I'm worried my husband went out on the fishing boat and he never mm-hmm. returned. Somebody help me, please. Help me, please. Lord Jesus, I lost my husband. Then she may have been more real. They may have believed her more. Instead of, when can I get my husband's money? <laughs> I hate to ask, but. She probably didn't even leave with that. She's probably like, when can I get my money? Ten years of appeals followed. 
for so for 10 years she kept trying appeal appeal she wrote letters to governor bush trying to ask about getting out of jail and they were like no so everything was denied they set her date of execution as december 6th of 1990 10 more years go by she gets a couple of stays they give her some more stays so now we've got another date of execution set for february 24th of 2000 the day of her execution her attorney who at this time is jose margalis says she's very scared she doesn't want to be strapped down to that gurney all alone her legal team and a coalition of supporters including domestic violence awareness groups amnesty international they all wanted her death sentence commuted to life in prison saying she was damaged both physically and psychologically and that she had poor legal counsel because the jury that sentenced her to die was not told about the abuse so very similar to our garrett guy Mm -hmm. she was abused and you know there i don't know that they ever had any proof other than that she just claimed that she was her daughters went to a previous defense attorney and gave him pictures of betty taken after she had been beaten up by one of the husbands it didn't say which one probably jimmy don or doyle wayne there is a picture on the internet of her all bruised up but if that defense attorney had actually looked at it and spread that information then eventually the parole board would have reviewed it and maybe she would have gotten her sentence commuted but they but didn't really do that anything wasn't with her it. reason for killing well them. and that will she never said that right if she had said from the beginning well i got tired of being beat or we were in a fight and he hit me and i was scared so I shot him like she did the first husband, mm-hmm. then maybe she would have not gotten well, in so much trouble. I think she did say it. There's just not a lot of it. Like oh, she's, okay. She says it. The problem is, I think she was just really tolerant, which isn't an excuse. But if she was abused, which she said every husband was abusive, but if that's the only lifestyle that you know, and you don't know that that's wrong until you're in jail and you have people, because she wasn't very well educated. Let's remember, she True. she couldn't really hear that well and she couldn't speak that well and she didn't have any kind of an education. She just knew how to get married and work in bars and have kids, mm-hmm. right? Right. So she didn't know, she probably didn't know that that wasn't really how you live. Mm-hmm. Probably when she was in prison and was told by people, look, that's domestic violence. Like she probably didn't realize, oh. But her first husband, he hit her, so she shot him in the stomach. Because she got tired of it, right? But that's what I'm saying. And she yeah. didn't get in trouble. So she, I think she knew. I don't think that she used that. When she needed when, to. When she needed to. That makes because sense. I think she, like you said, she's probably, it probably was the last thing on her mind that she could use. Because right. she was too she busy was worrying so about to how to get away with murder. Yeah. And that was her focus. And Hashtag this... I love that show. <laughs> what this uh, new legal team is saying is that give them the opportunity to present all the evidence on the abuse and we can present it to the jury because they didn't get to hear it the first time. But but they wouldn't they wouldn't do it. Betty's daughter Faye told the parole board, all my mama's life she's been abused. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I know that if the jury heard the truth about my mama, she only could have done something like this if she'd been very scared or threatened. I'm not saying my mother should go free, but to be allowed to live out her remaining years in prison. Sorry, I don't want my tax dollars doing that. Sorry. Yeah. They did interview her on death row. And she said, I wouldn't willingly do that, but I don't remember what happened. It's just a blank to me. So maybe she was enraged and, but twice. Um, She says, my time is running out and the state of Texas will pick up where my husband left off. While the Texas law enforcement out there did nothing to help me, it is now legal for them to finish the job. Ooh. 
What did they not do to help you? You didn't ask for help. Well, I mean, how does she know I'm still going to defend her a little bit? Because she can't hear. She can't talk very well. Okay, but you, and she's can't, not educated. you can't blame Texas law enforcement if you didn't oh, ask I'm for not help. Blaming, I'm, I'm not blaming them. I'm just playing devil, devil's yeah. advocate. No, here. I'm just like, saying her. I, I understand that part. But her statement of Texas law enforcement did nothing to help me. What did you ask them to do? Mm-hmm. If you had gone to them and said, I'm being beaten or something is wrong in my life because this is what's happening. If then they ignored you, then I understand. Well, and I think that's what she's saying is she did tell them and they did ignore her. So she went and told them she was. That's what beaten. she's saying. Like, they, but there's not like every single police report on her being abused isn't out there. Right. Because mm-hmm. none of this comes to light until they find the dead bodies and then everything her life's put on blast. Right. Person by the name of Bree Buchanan, who worked for the Texas Council of Family Violence, said her long history of abuse, beginning as a child and continuing throughout adulthood. It certainly sounds like she suffered from battered women's syndrome and post-traumatic stress disorder. And she very well may have she had could battered have. women. I mean, if every husband, like you said, that's all she knew, especially meeting men in bars. Mm-hmm. That's where she met all of and them. And the kind of work that she did, I don't, sorry if this offends anyone, but men that go and look at women like that a lot, frequent bars a lot like that, don't really respect women, in my opinion. Yep. Not men that go for fun or for bachelor parties or you know happy hours and stuff that's one thing but the men that go and then look to be with women like that they go so that they can tell them what to do um what do you mean by women like that Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i mean some of the girls that work in strip clubs have five or six jobs or they're trying to put themselves through school like well, not all not of them are all of them are like okay. that okay good but good. they good look, save good save what what i'm saying is they look for women like her they prey on because like they her. assume because they're up there dancing that they are uneducated and that they're somewhat unintelligent when that's not the case yeah and they're looking for women just like her that yeah. they can take home and abuse yep because that's what they're, they're having you do something for them. Right. right. Even though you're walking out with all their cash. Well, the worst part I think is her last husband. I don't think he was like that. I think it's called Deadly Women is the show where mm-hmm. they're talking about her. Some of the stuff that I got is from that documentary, but they just talk about a lot how he was madly in love with her. He fell in love with her immediately in the bar and they got married really quickly. So he, he wasn't like that. He didn't meet her at the strip joint. He did meet her in the bar. But she approached him and they just clicked. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't like the previous husbands. I don't think he beat her. Maybe the other ones did. She claims they did. And like I said, there's a picture on the internet on her. So what's the... On Murderpedia where it shows like she's like tilting her head and she's got her chin and her face is all bruised. So somebody beat her up, right? Um, But I don't think this last husband did. So what's her reason for killing him? What does she say her reason is? She says she didn't do it. She said she doesn't remember doing it. Remember I said that just a second ago. Or is this the one that she said her her son did? This is the one she said her son did. The other one doesn't really go into detail about that. Because the thing is, she never gets tried for that because she does get executed this day. So she never gets tried. And I couldn't find anything else out on her son, Jimmy's son, James. So they interview him after the execution And he's outside. There's a press conference and he says, she really didn't have expression on her face at all. I just kind of focused on my dad. I knew he was smiling and it was over now. I needed the closure. I needed to finish this to stand up for my dad and let people know what kind of man he was, that he was a good person and he didn't beat nobody. I asked that God be with her family. Now she knows what we feel like. Um, So she was executed by lethal injection at 6.18 p.m. on February 24th. 
2000 and the Huntsville unit. She did not request a final meal, nor did she make a final statement. She was the second woman executed in the state after the reintroduction of the death penalty. So she was only the second one that gives me chills for some reason. At the time of her execution, she was 62 years old and had five children, nine grandchildren, and six great grandchildren. Maybe one of her great, children died. Maybe. Uh, like most executed criminals, she was cremated after her death and her ashes were scattered over her mother's grave. Aww. So that is the, is the story of the salty Texas black widow, Betty Lou Beats. Very good one. So what do you think? You think she had battered woman syndrome? I think she probably did think have a little bit. Or do you think she really just killed them because she wanted their money? Because that Deadly Women episode basically paints her as everything was premeditated. She knew what she was going to do. She knew when Jimmy Don was digging that hole for that wishing well that she was going to put him in it. You could just tell. But I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. I kind of feel like the jury, I think I'd have to re- read more about her before I made a final opinion. It sounds like she was a battered woman and she was uneducated and she probably didn't know better. However, for her to be that premeditated in all those actions, she'd either have to have help or she would have had to got smarter over the years. Yeah. So I just don't know. I mean, if I she buy killed two husbands in a row. She killed them both the same way with a pistol and they found that pistol in her house. So well, she liked guns. She shot her first husband mm-hmm. her second, oh, second husband in the stomach. Right. Yep. If she is innocent, I hate that for her, but. I have a feeling she probably did it. Yeah. And I think it's kind of crappy she pulled her son down with her. Yeah. If she, if she didn't, in fact, do it. I mean, I love... I have no doubt that she did it. I don't I, believe her children. I think her children helped her. Like they said, I think her kids were honest in court. They told the story. Her, and she didn't like it. I'm sure she got pissed off because they, you know, they deceived her. They, I guess she wanted them to lie or whatever. I think they told the truth. I believe she 100% did it. I don't think her intentions were that from the beginning. I think she was a an opportunistic person. So when she saw an opportunity to marry somebody that had money, she did it. And whenever she thought he was going to leave her or whatever, then she made things happen in her way. She wasn't happy with him anymore. Mm-hmm. She wanted a divorce, but she knew if she got a divorce... Jimmy Don would get the trailer because it belonged to him. And the only way to make sure that she got that stuff and he didn't was to kill him. In her, in her mind, she was motivated by money. And I think that's what she did. I don't think she's innocent at all. I think she's yeah. salty as no, hell. I think, I think she, she did she killed it. them. Regardless of what happened in her past, she made the decision to do it. So and even if she was battered her whole life, that's not Jimmy Don's fault. No. Nope. He shouldn't have had to pay a price for something other men did to her. And so, so I think her, her oldest daughter ended up helping raise all of her children. And Robbie, the youngest, is the one that stayed with her. And I think that's why he felt obligated to help her. He was going to protect her because out of all her children, he was with her the most. Yeah. And she betrayed him the most by ratting him out. But Absolutely. I don't know. I, I tried to look in the newspaper and even online to find out if he served any time for his indictment. But I couldn't find anything. So that's it. That's thank you, Karna, for the story idea. But that's the salty ass Texas Black Widow, Betty Lou. It's a good one. It was a good one. So we got Black Widows and cannibalism. This was a crazy episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We haven't gotten any stories yet. I haven't gotten any stories either. So if anybody has any stories, we'd love to hear them. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep bringing them to you the way we the way we're doing it. Big Texas style. Texas style, y'all. Rest in peace, Doyle Wayne and Jimmy Don Beats. Jimmy Don, that's a real Texas name. It is. It really is. Oh, so is Betty Lou. Betty Lou and Jimmy Don. They're so (laughs) meant for each other. And when you see your pictures, I'll, I'll upload them. She's. You can just tell. 
in one of her mugshots, she's all pissed off. And the other one, she's smiling all big. <laughs> all excited. Yeah. All right. So that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for the likes and sharing and everything like that. We appreciate your support. Case File 11, Human Soup, and the Widow's Web, closed.